Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's uh, episode of the Weekly Beat. My name is Dumi Jere, and I'm coming to you from South Africa. And with me today is my beautiful sister Maggie Mutesi. Who's coming to us from uh, where are you, Maggie? <laughs> I'm in Dhaka, Senegal. <laughs> ah, ah, you see, yes, um, my beautiful sister Maggie coming to us from Dhaka in Senegal. Anyway, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, um, in the past few days, I have uh, lost three people, not close to me, but people I know that I've worked with the past two weeks as well. I am mm. safe. I don't have COVID. Some of them have been admitted. One of them passed on uh, just the other day. And it's got me thinking that, you know, um, this virus is not going away. I kept saying this every time we met because it's becoming closer to home, but also becoming mm-hmm. more scary especially in thinking about the fact that even those in hospital have been vaccinated. So mm-hmm. it's lo- mm-hmm. lots of questions to think of. How is South Africa? No, South Africa is all right. Um, so what's happening now is that um, they have opened up vaccines pretty much to everyone now because they've now mm. um, allowed the 18-year-olds up to 34-year-olds. That probably was the last group to still not be vaccinated. So we feel there's going to be more progress. The numbers have been going up in terms of people that have received either their first dose or uh, receiving their second dose. So that is actually very encouraging news and um, we're on the right track as a country. But uh, obviously as a, as a continent, we're still a long way to go. And uh, speaking of the continent, today we want to head straight to the west part of the continent and by west i mean w-e-s-t not w-o-r-s-t um <laughs> i know sometimes the malawian in me comes in and uh, my, my pronunciation uh, is all messed up but yes we're going to west africa today we're going to talk about um, the central bank of nigeria or should i say nigeria strikes again i mean we've spoken about nigeria before on the show and uh, it seems like uh, they're not um, doing themselves any justice. They keep being uh, in the headlines of news. And for those that don't know what's been happening in the news, the central bank of uh, Nigeria, it froze the bank accounts of four fintech startups over alleged illegal forex trading. So we don't know whether that is actually has been happening or not, but um, the government seems to think, yes, it is happening. So they are investigating the illegal foreign exchange transactions by these fintech companies. And uh, the regulator also advised capital market operators working directly with those fintech platforms to stop doing business with those fintech platforms until further notice. So they went ahead to the high court, obtained an order freezing their accounts. And uh, here we are. Uh, companies that are affected are Risevest, Bamboo, Trove, and Chaka. And this uh, order to freeze is valid for the next six months. And so here we are. Maggie, we have spoken about Nigeria before. Yeah. And I have been on the side that says the Nigerian government seems like a bully to companies that are doing business in Africa. As an entrepreneur myself, it makes me feel like it's akin to a situation where I'm building something on quicksand. 
because I never know whether what I'm building is strong enough or when the ground is going to give in, when I'm going to be forced to close shop. It's really bad for business. But um, almost slightly moving away, but still staying in within the story that we're talking about, Nigeria has been in the news. I remember the last <laughs> episode that we touched on Nigeria when Arnold was here. With Maori Choice? Yes, with Maori Choice. And Twitter? That too. Arnold was on the side that uh, <laughs> that essentially was saying that, well, the Nigerian government is within its rights to regulate whatever the other companies are doing. And uh, he was uh, making the point that no SA media uh, has got a vendetta against uh, the Nigerian government. But assuming that were the case, then evidently the Nigerian government is uh, shooting itself in the foot, right? Because um, yeah. at first we thought it was just an issue with South African companies, MTN, ShopRite, MultiChoice, and many other companies. Mm. But now mm. it's looking more and more like uh, it's not only a case against South African companies. It's Twitter. Twitter was also in the mix. That's a U.S. company. Uh, these uh, yeah. fintech startups uh, that, that are in the mix, some of them are Nigerian or started by Nigerian entrepreneurs. And essentially, the picture to me is becoming much more clearer to say it's just a uh, bad regulatory environment. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I've been thinking about it as you were speaking. And uh, the question for me has been that Nigeria itself is such a huge economy. You know, it's the most populous country in Africa. Yeah. You have mm, these true. bubbly startups and then you have all these hurdles. And for me, the question has been that these policies or governance could actually affect innovation within Nigeria. And to some extent, I would love really to understand, does the government really think through it when they are making such decisions? Because these companies freezing their accounts for six months, it's a lot of money that you're putting at stake. But again, if it comes back to regulation, I mean, aren't these things they should have known before? Is there something hidden that we do not really understand? And um, I think it brings us back to what we've already said in terms of every topic we've covered, Dumi, that mm. good governance and policies are the only way to development or even opening up markets in Africa. Because imagine companies like this going through this, it's hindering other people that would have loved to actually open up in Nigeria. Um, I had a question from somebody a few weeks ago, months ago, when we covered Twitter. He yeah. said to me, do you think uh, Twitter took their HQ to Ghana because of the unfavorable government policies in Nigeria? Because Nigeria really has the biggest users. Why then not take the headquarters to Nigeria? Mm. And you know, when you think deeper into it, it makes a little bit of sense that, you know, if you're not sure of how, you know, the policy is going to affect your company, then you're going to look for a favorable environment to start business. Mm. I think it's much more hindrance to innovation, especially within Nigeria, because they have such a huge startup ecosystem. They raised the highest amount of money in 2020, close to 241 million US dollars alone in their startup, oh, wow. you know. So they have so much potential and something like this is a setback. I think one thing that we can all agree on is that there's uh, so much, um, uh, well, call it inconsistency when it comes to the regulatory framework within uh, Nigeria. And um, 
true to what you were saying around uh, Twitter is then uh, preferably setting up its um, uh, headquarters in Ghana as opposed to Lagos, which probably has more users. It only then makes sense that um, at the end of the day, they probably evaluated certain things. They looked at the framework. Yeah. They looked at uh, the messaging that was coming from the political space. And um, at the end of the day, to me, it looks like a brilliant call that uh, the Twitter folks did. Also, when you look at it, the former minister of uh, finance in Nigeria on your board uh, for Twitter, after evaluating everything else, you realize that, hmm, actually, maybe let's not go to Nigeria. Let's actually go to Ghana. That speaks volumes uh-huh. about the environment that is Nigeria today. Uh-huh. But uh, looking forward, what, uh, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, now a lot of startups are probably thinking, okay, do I do business in Nigeria or do I not? Assuming you're sitting on the other side, what would be your take as we wrap up uh, this conversation? What idea or rather what messaging would we give to startups that are looking um, at uh, entering the Nigerian space? Because let's not lie to ourselves. Nigeria is still a very yeah. big contender on the continent uh, mm. with over 200 million people uh, or in, in terms of population. Um, it's probably one of yeah. the biggest, if not the biggest or the most populated country on the continent. So that's a huge market that we should not ignore. Um, so yeah. where to from now uh, if you're <laughs> looking to expand? Yeah. Well, I think, like you've mentioned, there are some economies you can never run away from, Dumi. You can't run away mm, from Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. You need the numbers. Yeah. You need the population. I mean, it's such a great market. It will always be markets like Nigeria, regardless of their challenges, still present opportunities. Of course, yeah. as investors, the greater the risk, the greater the profit. I don't know how accurate mm. this is. <laughs> but this is what I've read yeah. over time and listened to. And it takes me back to uh, somebody who said to me, listen, I love East Africa. Uh, one of the countries in East Africa, I love it. But the numbers don't work for me. People are so few and I feel like I can do so much more in Nigeria. Even if I had 1% of the cake, I feel like I can make much more than just going into a country that has you know, smaller populations. But again... For me, I think it's important to understand the regulation bit of the Nigerian government. It's a bit unpredictable. On a policy level, I think this is something to be careful with. But again, we might be looking at it from an entrepreneurial perspective. Maybe on a policy perspective, they're trying to actually tighten up stuff. They're trying to make things proper. Mm -hmm. Because also this is a country that has been operating in a very um, unconventional way. So maybe they're trying also to tighten up things and to get their economy, you know, in a proper way and, you know, and regulate stuff, not, not just operate in the usual way they used to. So that's another way you have to look at it. But for me, for any startup going into Nigeria, I would still say go for it. Just go for it. I mean, there's always going to be those risks uh, in terms of policy and in terms of things like this. You just have to be ready for the shocks. Uh, every day when we speak, even when wars or crisis happens, you never know this is going to happen. It's always a hiccup that comes in business. And now that yeah. I'm in business, I think I even understand it more. It's like, <laughs> oh, the unexpected is always waiting. This is not a good move. Uh, it's uh, a lot discouraging for entrepreneurs, especially mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs like from Nigeria. It's not 
the most open or uh, the most proper country where you just say it's easy to do business. So the yeah. fact that it's hard to do business, they should at least make it easier on the regulation mm -hmm. part. So I feel like it will, you know, um, hinder innovation. It will, you know, That's affect true. a lot of people, the people whose money might be stuck or not. But again, it's business, it's investments, domain. we just go for it and mm -hmm. do it. It's the yeah, risk true. in Africa. It's always worth it. Of course. For me, in conclusion, I think um, entrepreneurs and startups, it's a space that excites me because I also play in it. And uh, we're always trying to innovate and find ways around whatever seeming obstacles or blockages that we may come up on. Yeah. So um, if it's me talking to a startup, uh, well, particularly a fintech startup, uh, trying to penetrate the mm. uh, Nigerian space, I would say use what we call decentralized finance, which is uh, essentially okay. a range of financial applications in cryptocurrencies. Uh, and these are geared towards disrupting the financial um, intermediaries, such as Central Bank of Nigeria. And... Um, in so doing, uh, you're going to end up interacting with those decentralized finance platforms through non-certain uh, custodial, uh, call it digital wallets. So with that arrangement, uh, I would say fintech companies in Nigeria can then guarantee that their operations uh, have continuity uh, for their customers, regardless of the regulatory status quo in the country. Uh, at the end of the day, investors then don't have to worry about the central government or the regulatory body freezing their accounts. Uh, because their uh. funds are always accessible to them in the form of cryptocurrencies. But, uh, look, um, we are, as Arnold would say, running very heavy on time. And uh, we're going to have to leave our conversation there for tonight. Uh, and in conclusion, uh, thank you uh, for listening to this episode. A special thank you to my uh, co-host, Maggie. Uh, and of course, to you, the loyal listeners, uh, please remember to visit our website, mansamedia.africa, for more news about the continent, as well as follow our social media pages, Mansa Media Africa on Facebook, as well as uh, Mansa underscore media on Twitter. Please remember the virus is still real. Continue to mask up, social distance, sanitize the works. Let's do that. I am Dumi Jere. Until the next time, here's to peace and profits. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.